Welcome to the Habits of the Few, where we discuss habits, rituals, and mindset tactics that you can use to reach your version of success. And now, here's your host, Mona Bolsi. Thank you guys again so much for tuning in to another episode of Habits of the Few. Today's episode is incredible. What a phenomenal opportunity to be able to communicate with the one and only AJ Vaynerchuk from Vayner Media and Vayner Sports. It was just such an honor to be able to, to, to chat with him and, and to dive deep into how he was able to attain so much success at such a young age and, and the discipline, the drive, and the determination that he was able to, to really develop um, is, is just incredible. It's just so motivational and so inspirational. So I, I urge you to, as always, to listen to the entire episode and uh, I thank you so much for for listening and tuning in today. So without further ado, enjoy the rest of the show. What's up, AJ? How are you doing this? Well, for you this afternoon, for me this morning. Gotcha. Where are you based, Cali? Uh, Portland, Oregon. So oh, close enough. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you hear me okay or should I try to get some headphones on? No, no. You're cool. I can hear you, okay. man. Awesome. Uh, so I'll do the intro and everything later. I kind of just want to dive right into it. This thing yeah, is yeah. all just conversational. So... Yep. So thanks, man, for being here today. I'm super pumped. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you got a busy ass schedule. Well, I appreciate it. I'm humbled you wanted me on. Oh, absolutely. Um, I kind of want to get into. I'm so curious. I've been incredibly curious. How the hell did you get into the whole agency thing? You talk about the, the sports agency. The, the sports agency, yeah. How does that kind of happen? Yeah, it kind of parlayed off my background. You know, running Vader Media with Gary. Um, yeah. It's not, as from a business perspective and how it works, it's not a big leap at all to running an advertising agency to a sports agency. Um, and in terms of how I got in, um, you know, really when I left VaynerMedia, I was the chief operating officer there, spent seven years, first seven years of my career running VaynerMedia. Oh. Um, I took some time off and really kind of just dug deep to figure out what I wanted to do next um, and and landed on this notion of, I think what probably made it click was sports have always been my biggest passion. Mm. And I think in a way, it, like I said, it didn't feel like a big leap to take what I learned. I thought I could take a lot of what I learned building an agency and applying it to a new industry with sports. So that blend of passion and previous experience of feeling comfort that I could be successful was how I got to that place. That's awesome. And I see that you guys are just primarily working with, uh, with, with NFL players and I could be wrong. Do you ever see yourself kind of going into like, I don't know, like, you know, the NBA, maybe boxing, sure. you know, yeah. maybe even UFC? All of it's in play. Um, yeah. we're, we're purposely staying focused on football. I'm a big believer of making sure that the core business is foundationally sound before branching out. I think it's a mistake people make is maybe they see opportunity, they jump at that opportunity and spread themselves too thin. So really just hunkering down, making sure football is rock solid before expanding, but we're in a fortunate place. I think between the, the brand of the last name, as well as um, you know my brother's personal brand and his platform, we have athletes from other sports reaching out to us on a weekly basis. So we're kind of just saving everybody's name and and sending a nice message back saying we're not ready yet. And then uh, as we're ready to expand, we'll expand. So I, I know a brief story of how you guys kind of got started. Um, I, I know that I, what was I watching the other day? I was, uh, I think it was a video where you, uh, turned 21 on wine library. 
that was so funny and like your brother was just like so stoked he's like i've been waiting for this <laughs> started this thing um you guys have a pretty cool dynamic i i'm i'm the oldest out of a lot of siblings so i i i, I kind of understand and i can resemble a little bit but uh what uh what what's your per like what's your your take on this whole thing what was it that that i guess accumulated your discipline your mindset your your habits what what were, what were the things that that drove you to first and foremost you and your brother actually wanting to start a business in the first place like let yeah. like put agency aside just just yeah. wanting to become entrepreneurs you know we we had that example at home right our father's an entrepreneur yeah and our father immigrated from the former soviet union to america made a life for himself and our family through business and entrepreneurship. So I think first and foremost, that example at home is a massive, you know, um, aspect of becoming an entrepreneur. Not that you need that, but for us, it ended up being that way. And then also to multiply it, Gary and I are 11 years apart. Oh, so a really big gap. Yeah. He looks good for his age. I'll yeah, no, that. he really does. Yeah. <laughs> so Gary's 43 and I'm 32. And so, wow. 11 year gap is huge. So in the sense that I think some timing also played a factor in the sense that when I was 12, 13 and 14 and really starting to dabble in entrepreneurship and, you know, and my dabbling was like going to garage sales and flea markets and flipping things. You know, Gary has that YouTube show trash talk. I lived that for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And so 12, 13, 14, Gary was 23, 24, 25, and he was partners with my father in the wine business. So my formative years as a, an adolescent and a young adult was sitting at the dinner table with my brother and my father talking about business. So it, it surrounded me, um, and it's something I obviously gravitated to, and my father and my brother loved it, and they had success with it, and it, it made sense for me too. So you're significantly younger than your brother, and where you're at today is incredibly successful. Where do you see yourself in like the next 11 years? The next 11 years, uh, I honestly think I'm going to be doing the same thing. I, uh, you know, I am constantly thinking about what do I want out of life yeah. uh, and that cliche of work-life balance. You know, I have a, I have a 19 month old daughter at home. Congrats. Uh, thank you. We're expecting our second in April. So oh, wow. I'm constantly trying to figure out how to balance friends, family, work, things that interest me. Um, what I love about what I do now is that and I was fearful of it was this combination of passion, hobby and business, right? Where was there a possibility that I would ruin, you know, sports and watching sports and keeping up with sports by getting involved in the business. But I haven't felt that way in nearly three years in. So the more I can get to a place where the work that I'm doing doesn't feel like work and feels like what I would do. You know, when I was a 16 year old kid, I come home from school and jump on, you know, NFL websites researching the draft. And, um, and that's what I do now for a career too. So 11 years from now, probably just doing something very similar at a larger scale, you know, cause I'm also very competitive mm. and I want to be successful. And that's another thing I love about this business is that there's a scorecard, there's winners, there's losers, there's results, there's historical record. It's all, you know, this business, business in general, and this one in particular is a sport in and itself. So it's almost like, uh, like a football player, a kid that's a football player that 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 loves the sport and finally gets to achieve his dream by actually playing it in the league. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's similar. You know, I never had 
the athletic prowess to be a professional athlete. I knew that pretty early on. So um, I guess this is the next best thing. Yeah. You're leveraging your, your talents, right? Right. In a different manner. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you guys got early on, I think early on, you guys were able to uh, invest successfully in some pretty awesome companies that are significantly huge now. What what was it that drove you guys to like, hey, we're going to invest in this? Like, it, Yeah, you know. I, I'll give all of the credit on that front to my brother. Um, you know, neither of us, the same way we had the example of entrepreneurship in our household, we did not have the example of investing in venture capital type activity. Mm-hmm. Our father was the type to not even have money in the stock market. You know, oh. immigrant, have it all in the bank, don't touch it, don't risk it, that kind of vibe. So, you know, a lot of the investments that are public, Gary did himself prior to me having the funds to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't do Facebook. I didn't do Twitter. I was lucky enough. VaynerMedia was far enough along where I did get to do Uber. I did get to do Venmo and some others. But, you know, he really set the path forward on that. Um, you know, the work that we were doing with VaynerMedia was really blending Silicon Valley and Madison Avenue together, pairing up large corporate Fortune 500s with these emerging startups, which back in 2009, or in the mid 2000s was Facebook, was Twitter. So I give Gary a ton of credit for uh, building those relationships, having the foresight to get involved. And, you know, once he made a few investments, I was eager to jump in as well. So how would you, I guess, so we, we you know, we, we're, we're doing around 6,000 daily downloads so far with this podcast. It's, it's fairly new. It's only been a couple months, three months. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's obviously something that we're giving that is of value to the audience. And I've noticed that most of the, um, the generation is, is mid twenties. So, you know, like 20, between 23 and like 26 years old, I would say is the bulk of our audience. Yeah. What's something that you can give them? Like, I, I I'm fairly certain majority of these folks are wanting to become, become entrepreneurs or maybe go into business themselves. Like, what was it like to be the, 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 the CEO of VaynerMedia day in and day out, especially you being so young? Like, what were some of the things that that you had to avoid, that you had to look for? What were some of the stresses? Like, yeah. would you mind kind of going through a little bit of that? No, not at all. Uh, so first, you want me to kind of speak to like some advice? To yeah, somebody? yeah. Um, I think entrepreneurship in a lot of ways is like anything else, right? And so I think a big aspect of why I was successful was twofold. One, I had a mentor and my brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father was an inspiration, but he worked so hard. He wasn't really around as much to kind of guide me through the, the ground floor of entrepreneurship. So my brother was my mentor. And I think I'm, I'm super lucky to have a, a brother, a best friend, a business partner, a mentor all wrapped in one. Most people mm-hmm. don't have that luxury. So but identifying a mentor and then two is really the practice side. I, you know, I think a lot of times for people that I knew uh, for a lot of them, they felt like I jumped into entrepreneurship at age 22 and, and kind of just figured it out. But really, you know, there was all these reps on a smaller level that taught me big lessons, kind of shaped my way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was 12 years old and I could walk at age, at age 15, I could walk into a thrift store and walk out of it with a few hundred bucks in a matter of 10 minutes. Right. I could look, I, you know, and that came from just hours of studying Um, I would literally, this is real. I would literally go on eBay and spend four hours researching mugs. That's it. I would literally look at like, and I would look for patterns and themes, right? Because there's a gadrillion mugs, but Mm -hmm. oh, Starbucks mugs are worth money. You know, any brand of Starbucks, any 
brand of coffee was big, Dunkin' and Starbucks, and then, okay, other things translated like Disney characters and uh, concerts, like just finding niches and patterns so that I could walk in and make an educate, you know, and at age 15, I didn't have an iPhone where I could go on eBay and look it up. It's much easier today. I literally walked in with my brain and had to figure it out. And so, you know, I would soup to nuts, go through the journey of selling where I would do the research, I would find the market, I would buy the product, I would be the creative director taking the photos, I would be quality control, making sure the mug wasn't broken or cracked or chipped. I would do the marketing of posting the title and the description. I would do customer service, answering questions. I would do package and handling. I, I figured out logistics because yeah. I was shipping out 20 to 30 packages a day while still going to high school and still trying to be a kid. I would come home and my bedroom had 20 packages in the Monday container and 18 packages in the Tuesday container. I started creating order numbers and uh, like what's the UPC codes that I just made up to kind of like understand categories and stuff so that yeah. once I posted something, I could box it up right away so that it would be faster to like get it out of there. And so that's just a good example where, you know, age 12 through 22, whether it was doing eBay or I taught myself HTML and CSS and was building websites for small businesses in Boston when I was going to school there. Like I was doing entrepreneurship on the ground floor and at the kid level before I did it at the business level. And so if you're 25 now and you've never done anything entrepreneurial, my first thing is rather than trying to come up with a million dollar idea and raise venture capital mm. and go big, get some reps, you know, literally find ways to do small orders of business and entrepreneurship to kind of learn the ropes with low risk. I think that's phenomenal advice. You, you, you had an e-commerce business. Essentially, yeah, I mean, I was I was making a few thousand bucks a month as a fifteen-year-old kid. That's a lot as a fifteen-year-old kid. Like twenty-five to thirty grand a year profit market. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could buy yourself anything you wanted. You wanted a video well, game, I, you bought I a video. Like, I thought I was a millionaire at age fifteen. <laughs> like, because <laughs> comparatively to all my other friends. Well, yeah, like, of course. They were, like, they were worried about like how much we went to McDonald's. I was like, McDonald's. right. Bucks. <laughs> right, right. They they had to go through their allowance if they yeah, even had one, right? Exactly. That's so funny. Do you guys ever think about getting into e-commerce? Like today as an agency, do you ever think about Yeah, yeah e-commerce has always been interesting to me because e-commerce was really the backbone right. of my family's business really exploding. That was the big thing that Gary brought to my father's business that exploded it was winelibrary.com and e-com. So I always had a love and an interest in it. And I think eventually I'll get down that road. And Gary and I, you know, it's funny going on vacation at our house turns into like an offsite. Like, yes, we're there with the family and we can have some fun, but inevitably it's almost impossible for us not to, you know, at, at some point just start talking about business ideas for two hours, you know, at the pool or, or at the dinner table. So, uh, e-commerce is always something I, I gravitate to and I'd be surprised if I never do it. Yeah, it's it's nuts, you know. So um, I, I have an agency a little bit smaller than yours, but we have a lot of e-commerce clients, and we primarily work with like running the ads and doing yep. all of the uh, the email marketing. It's insane what they're bringing in. I mean, and most of them are drop shipping, so they're not even holding any product. Sure. They don't have their yeah. own product. You know, um, it's nuts. Like, do you, do you do you think that it would be more? Do you think it would make more sense to develop your own product or would it make more sense for somebody who's just starting out just to do like drop shipping? Like here, here's something that works. Just, just, you know, sell it, find a distributor or find a manufacturer. And then I think you're starting drop shipping. It's kind of crawl before you walk, walk before yeah. you talk. Yeah. Um, and 
what I would say is, you know, if you're 24, 25, 26, you probably still have to work another job to sustain yeah. this. You know, the less, the less overhead you incur, the less risk you incur, probably the better. So yeah, I think dropship probably at first, make the mistakes while you're drop shipping as opposed to your own product. You know, there's a lot of things right. to do with your products. So, um, and I think even when you go to your own product, be mindful of what that product is. You know, I invested in a company back in 2010 that built some sleep tracking technology. Two guys that never really did hardware before, they went out of business real quick because their their sleep tracker device exploded because they oh, got the damn. wrong they got the wrong manufacturer in China and they had like three devices explode and they got sued and bankrupt and finished. And so I think there's you know I think patience is key and mm -hmm. uh, just figuring out what's manageable, what's accomplishable, and and get some reps and build towards it. Sweet. So if we wouldn't mind backtracking a little bit, um, talking about how how being the CEO and how you were able to do that, how you were able to like, what, what were the things that I guess, like part of your daily life, like what were some of your tasks? Like what was the perspective and, and the expectation? I think a lot of kids, you know, and you know this more than anybody, you and your brother, where you're getting a lot of kids now on like Instagram and Twitter and they're putting like CEO on their handle for their bio, right? And, mm -hmm. and, you know, and they're looking at being an entrepreneur as being like a professional athlete. It's like the new right. thing. It's like a rock yeah. star or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, so I don't know. I would love to hear it from somebody who's experienced it. And I would love for that to be addressed to them so that they can get a realistic, you know, uh, a perspective of yep. what it really means to be a CEO of a, yeah. of a big company. Yeah. So for Vayner Media, um, just to clarify, I was actually the chief operations officer. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. That's okay. But still, in, a, still a giant. Yeah. Yeah. Especially at 22 when it started. Yeah. Uh, and Vayner Sports, we don't have the CEO title. We kind of keep it uh, co-founder and things like that. But I operate essentially as a CEO. Yeah. So I can do it to an extent. I think. Um, so one thing you said that definitely jumped up at me is like the notion of. Um, people applying the CEO label to their single member business or anything like that. And I think, I think what I would be cognizant of is that a lot of people can see through that. I think the general public and your network is a little bit smarter than you may give them credit for. Like, I, I think it's a bad look to assign yourself the CEO title of a pre-revenue single member company, right? Like right. just say you're the founder, that's accurate. And yes, CEO is technically accurate, but I think your point it's it's almost like you're trying too hard and you're trying to create a false front and a false front's not attractive so no. i would avoid that um as far as like what a day looked like and and the, and the trials and the tribulation like at least from my experience with vayner media it was um no day was the same um you know when you're starting a business you wear every hat like you need to be able to be in, in a client service business you're the top point of contact for the client on strategy and customer service and creative and project management. You're the front line of defense for everything. And then also, hey, is the toilet clogged? Go ahead and fix that. You're the CEO. None of your employees want to fix the toilet. So I think um, I think having a humbleness, um, I think a, a thing that will kill a young CEO is a, a tremendous uh, ego because I think a lot of people will uh, struggle with somebody who maybe lacks a track record and success that has an ego. That was something I was always very insecure about and mindful of was you know, I employed a lot of people that were either my age um, or older. Some of them were my friends from high school and college. So I was always very perceptive of how I came off in my role. Like, yes, I had this authority to make this decision, but I have this authority 
and I'm using this authority for the better of everybody as opposed to the power trip. Um, so I think mindful of if you are a young CEO um, and you have employees that are friends or close in age or older, don't abuse the power. I think it's the number one way to lose somebody. I think being a leader is being inclusive and being with them. There's a there's a graphic. I've seen it. I can't credit it or think of it, but there's basically like, I think it's like an Egyptian pharaoh. And in one, um, in one side, it's the, the pharaoh being like carried on top of like a big throne and there's like four servants carrying them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that label's like boss, right? And then the next one is like that same transportation carrier and like the pharaoh is like leading the front pointing the way and carrying half the load and that's a leader and so that was always kind of how i took it where nothing's too i'm not like especially in the early stages in my opinion nothing's too small banner sports is still a young nimble team like i've been very lucky to have great success we're still really scrappy because in my opinion like even though i've been successful and i'm financially secure the business hasn't achieved that success the business isn't that financially secure so we need to earn it so that, that'd be my biggest tip is being I, self-aware and, and being a leader, not a boss. I, I think that's huge. And, and, and that kind of takes me to my next and my, my, probably my last, cause I know you're short on time here, but, um, self-awareness, mm-hmm. I know both you and your brother talk about this a lot. I have been racking my brain, um, researching. I've been, I've been, I've been trying to understand self-awareness for quite a long time. I think I understand certain aspects of my innate ability, mm-hmm. but what is self-awareness? How can, how can someone develop or understand? So I think self-awareness can be developed. Um, I think it's again, practice and repetition. Um, I think probably the best way to develop self-awareness is to communicate with those that you interact with. Mm-hmm. Uh, ask them for feedback and ask for genuine feedback and not allow yourself to have your feelings hurt. So yeah, that's huge. I think, I think self-awareness is a constant. Um, it's always on. And so I'm always thinking, how am I coming off? What kind of energy am I providing? How, if I were in that person's shoes, would I receive the message I just delivered in the environment I just delivered in? So I think it's constantly just kind of thinking, putting yourself in somebody else's shoes, mm-hmm. uh, perceiving you from the outside, and, and then, like I said, I think the way you practice it is to be mindful of it and try to be taking a step back, kind of catch yourself in a moment, just kind of take a step back and say, okay, like, how am I coming off? How may this person interpret this? Am I, one of my favorite quotes, I think it's Maya Angelou, I could be wrong, I don't wanna look stupid, but I think that's that, was something that like, um, when you meet somebody, they're probably gonna forget what you did and what you said, but they're not gonna forget how you made them feel. And so I think that's a big part of self-awareness is being cognizant of how somebody feels when you're interacting and engaging with them. And that's whether that's your friend, your significant other, your employee, your potential uh, business development lead. That applies to everything, no matter if you're a CEO or an entry-level employee. And so um, as far as getting that practice, finding people that you trust and have a relationship with, and you know, maybe you wrap up a meeting with a friend of yours who's a peer or whatever, and you just say like, hey, like, how are you feel like how did that make you feel I, I said that 10 minutes ago was that okay like really being transparent communicating and getting to the heart of the issue and making it a safe place for somebody to give you that feedback because if you ask for feedback and somebody gives it back to you and you become defensive and argumentative you're never right. gonna have to again right so being humble being receptive asking for it being a great communicator being clear and then absorbing it and understanding what it means 
That's beautiful. Thank you so much for that, man. I think that's a perfect way to end this podcast. So before we leave, I just wanted to let you know if you're okay with me promoting this. We yeah. put it all over the place. and. Sure. And yeah. I'll, send you, I'll send you a link, uh, both video and audio, when we get it done. And I really appreciate your time. That was freaking Absolutely. awesome, man. It was I've awesome. I've got like two or three more minutes. Is there anything else you and I can talk about before we wrap up? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's see here. There was. It doesn't even necessarily have to be for the podcast. Like, you know, if there's anything on your mind or anything like that. Okay, too. cool. Um, so so I've, I've, I've been in the advertising industry for probably 17 years now and uh, around there. I started in affiliate marketing when I was 17. And then um, I, I, I go back and forth between closing down the agency, getting into e-commerce or closing down the agency and getting into consulting slash this podcasting thing. Yep. Um, and, and, and I'm having a really tough time. I've been talking to a lot of like my mentors and things like that about it because I started this podcast about three months ago, didn't really start doing anything like seriously until like January, like end of December, early January. And it just took off and I've been able to like, I, I've, I've like, you want to go about self-awareness. I've been really like, I'm really fulfilled doing yeah. that more than yeah. I've ever done anything else. Nice. You know, where can this lead? Where can I go with it? Can it, yeah. can it do other things? But you know, after I do this, then I have to go back in the office and yada, yada, yeah, yada. yada. Yeah, yeah. So would you suggest to, to follow what you feel instinctually in your gut and utilize all of your skills to do something with this, maybe turn this into a media company. Right. right? I, I don't know, I, we're just well, gonna shoot the shit. One, one, one thing that runs through my mind is like, why do you have to shut down the agency? Can you not get to a place where somebody can replace you day to day and it can be- Yeah, it's, hap it's happening now. Yeah, I, I think you can have your cake and eat it too. I think, you know, I don't know your financial situation, but what I would say is, understand what kind of lifestyle you need to live and what you have been living with the agency figure out the best way to maintain some level of financial cash flow that's based off that previous success, focus on this thing. And then as it evens out, if you get to a place where this is making more money in the agency, then you don't care if it dies, right? Right. But I think practically you need to kind of juggle both in the meantime. And then just as one continues to grow and the other one dips, like just calibrate, you know, keep an eye on it on a weekly and a monthly basis. But I would chase what you want to do. And I also understand how much of a grind the agency, you know, client services world is. I did it with VaynerMedia and I'm doing it now with VaynerSports. It's different, but it's the same. So I have empathy for that. And I would, I would chase this if you can. It's just, it's just a matter of practicality. Yeah. I think that's the perfect way to do it because I mean, I need to be able to feed my family and all these other families. Right. So, right. um, sounds like you're doing it though. I mean, it's, you know, 9.30 your time and you're recording a podcast, you're not running an ad for a brand. So it sounds like right. you're on your way. Uh, you just got to keep digging at that and finding a way to optimize it. And then the number one tip I would give you that was always something I focused on while growing Vayner Media is take some time this weekend. This mm -hmm. is great exercise. Reflect on all the things that you did for the agency over the last like two to four weeks. Identify which ones you hated the most and try to find a way to outsource that first. So if it's like, hey, I spent three hours in the last 30 days doing accounting reconciliation, mm -hmm. and I, it makes me want to jump out of a building, <laughs> find somebody else to do those three hours, whether it's an outsource or giving somebody else a responsibility and a little okay. bit of a pay bump, like find the stuff you hate the most, get rid of it, because then it'll make this entire process even more tolerable. Chip away at it. That, that makes, yeah, that makes tremendous sense.
Because there, there, there's always something like that going on. Always. There's no matter how good everything's going. Like I love what I'm doing with Vayner Sports. I'm sure if I spent an hour this Saturday and say, "What I spent two hours doing this thing and I hate it," it would make my life better. So I, I would do that periodically, like two to three times a year. Like, hey, what did I do in the last thirty? I would look at my calendar. I would look at my to-do list. I'd be like, you know what? I fucking hated that hour and a half dealing with X, Y, and Z. I'm yeah. gonna give it to somebody else, or I'm gonna hire somebody to do it. I think that's, an, yeah, I think that's very, very smart because, and it opens me up to do this. Yeah, exactly. You freed up an extra hour and a half to do this and you're going to be happier. Yep. So. That's awesome. Cool, I really appreciate I that. Advice, man. Thanks, Thank Mo. you so Thank much. You. Have a great day. Take care. You too, brother. Bye-bye. Bye.